You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. about his profession, 
and how people can find a good realtor. And and I've been asked, well, so how does this relate to relationships? Honestly, being in a relationship, and I just mean a platonic one, with your real estate agent is probably one of the most important relationships you can have because you need somebody you can trust. So Mr. Chastain is a top-producing realtor with Keller Williams in Northern California. He's an expert in online marketing, relocation, investment properties, and before that, Paul was in international retail management for Polo, Ralph Lauren, and Burberry's of London. And gee, I wish he still was. Maybe I could get a discount. Anyway, whenever I have past real estate clients who call me with a real estate need, I put them in touch with Paul because I know that they will be taken care of by a knowledgeable, honest, creative, and exceptional person. Paul, welcome back to Dr. Ann's Relationship Radio. It's an honor to have you return to discuss a very different topic than the one that you spoke about uh, a few months ago. Hello, Dr. Ann. It's good to be with you, and hello, everyone. (coughs) Yes. So to start, what does one have to do to become a realtor? Because honestly, before I became a broker or a realtor, I thought, this was easy, but it was really, really hard. <laughs> so would you share with us what it takes to become a realtor? Well, becoming a realtor is not complicated. It takes a little bit of work. Um, but the, the short story is you must pass a test and become licensed by the state and join a board, and you invest a little bit of money. Um, then you are technically a realtor, Dr. And That really is about what it takes to get there. Becoming a good one is a little different story. Well, we're going to come back to a good one, but I remember studying for the licensing exam and all the math that was required, like how many acres is in a something or how many square feet is in an acre. I can't remember the question exactly. How many square feet are in a mile? And that I studied for that and studied for that. I passed it the first time, but it was a challenge, so... I think you might be making it easier than it is unless you're really good in math, which I am not. So why did you select this occupation, Paul? Well, for me, it was a logical progression from managing high-end name-brand retail for, I guess, about 10 years at that point, and then having clients and a few connections, and it just kind of happened from there, and they got into um, what they call flipping real estate and, and did quite a bit of that, so... It was a little bit of a natural progression, and um, been very happy with it ever since. Yeah, well, and and your career is a testimony to that. And as I'm talking to you, I'm remembering when I was a real estate broker, and I found that aspects of real estate really required skills that are similar to that of those of a psychologist, which I alluded to earlier. Over my career, I discovered that listening, educating, humor, communication, and knowledge were critical to providing my customers with excellent service. Do you agree with my characterization of necessary qualities for being an excellent? I would say, yeah, not only do I agree, um, I think I would hire Dr. N as my realtor. That's about as well (laughs) as you can put it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, let's discuss each one of these. So talk to us about the necessity to listen to our real estate clients. Well, any agent can ask 
how many bedrooms and baths are you looking for for a buyer? But the the real quality active listening requires a, a, a set of thoughtful questions that allow access to a client's lifestyle. So it's not just where do you want to live, but how. And it's an ongoing process. It's before, during, and after. It's the um, how does the client like to communicate? Uh, how does the client like to make decisions? Who's the decision maker? How do we how do we arrive at what we want to do? Um, where does my seller see themselves in five years? Is one of the questions I'll ask up front. Um, all of this gives me a big picture, and I might know more pieces of the puzzle than they do. So the more I know about the puzzle, the better I can help them fill it in as we go along. And um, it's um, it's an ongoing art form. I try to get better and better at it every time I, I work with a client. It really is because, as you said, yeah, I want three bedrooms and three baths, and my price range is 300000 So that tells you a little something, but it does not tell yeah. you, as, again, as you said, what right. your living style is. Do you want a family room? Do you hang out in the family room the most? Right, and I often like to re- I like to remove money and ask, what does your dream home look like, and just sub- subtract the money issue. What is it? Just build it for me in your mind and describe it, and that, that's helpful. Uh, that's a great question. So, how do you educate your customers? Because I want to I want a two hundred thousand dollar I want an eight hundred thousand dollar house, but I want to pay two hundred thousand dollars for it. <laughs> how do you yeah. educate your customers? Well, you just described most normal human beings. Um, <laughs> yeah. So what I've done uh, in 20 years um, is I've looked at everything I've taught my clients and helped my clients with. At paulchastain.com, I built a website that's not really a typical realtor website. It's just essentially a blog, a blog system that's everything I've talked about for that time. So... For instance, um, you know, if, if if clients come in fairly educated these days, so that's a different kind of education. I need to know what my client knows first. What do you know about real estate? What do you think about real estate? And then plug in to what they need. Some people are very financial. Some people are, are kinetic. They need to see things. Um, so a lot of it goes back to the questions. Before I'm a good educator, I need to know what they need to know and, and fill in. Um, Buyers, a lot of FaceTime, so it's kind of easy. With sellers, you really have to set things up, plan meetings, quality FaceTime, get together, uh, so that you have a chance to talk about what they need to know. Um, because 21 years, I can answer any question, but it's important not to talk about things they don't need to know. So paulchastain.com does that uh, quite a bit. Yeah, and as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, wow, I wish we did this in our interpersonal relationships. Like. <laughs> Set a foundation, like, what do you know? What do you like? We, we rarely ask those questions. And uh, maybe we can use selecting a great real estate agent as a template for how to select great friends and um, romantic interests. Uh, knowledge of the real estate market and the finance help us gu- helps us guide our clients. I know it did for me. How do you keep up on the real estate market and on the lending industry? I'm so out of touch, and I always call you when I want to know something, but how do you keep in track of it? Well, well, things have changed over the years. Some agents work in a neighborhood 
they'll market homes in the neighborhood because it's less time-consuming, and they'll just kind of focus and become quote-unquote experts. I've always committed to being both a marketing agent and a buying agent, both. I'd like to do both. I'm better at home marketing if I'm with buyers, and in turn, I'm better writing offers if I'm also marketing properties because I know what the, the agents are looking for when they're when they're representing a property. I can write an offer that's more relevant if I'm also uh, doing the same thing they're doing. Um, I love to help new agents. New agents are actually a great source of information, particularly ongoing legal and new techniques for veteran agents, and often veteran agents don't do that. They don't take the time because they figure, well, what do they know? I think new agents know a lot, and so I like to help them, and, and they help me. So that keeps me keeps me young as an agent. I get that because I do that um, as a psychologist. I mentor and supervise interns, and I learn so much for them from them because I think that many of us kind of can get old and stale in our professions that we have become expert in. So that is a great idea. I never actually looked at it like that. Now, we are coming up on a break, and I, I want to ask you a question, but I don't want to interrupt you in the middle of it. So the next question is going to be, how do you keep in communication with your clients? Because I think that's a big deal. And I'm going to break us a little, maybe a few seconds early so we can come back to you. Listeners, you. we will be right back with Paul Chastain, real estate agent extraordinaire. Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is around town movers. Timothy and the guys recently moved me, and I am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not-so-fun experience moving. Call Timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience. Around town movers for that local or cross-country move. Timothy, around town movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's around town movers. Call them. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome 
Welcome back, listeners, to Dr. Ann's Relationship Radio. We are here with Paul Chastain, a previous guest, and today we're talking about the kind of relationship buyers and sellers need to have with their real estate agent. So, Paul, how do you keep in communication with your clients? Well, besides using all the tools, I mean, you can think of the phone, the email, the texting, of course, today, um, I think it's more about when than what. Um, I have a, a rule I call no gaps, and that is I need to be in touch every day as a realtor. I have, I probably have a psychological problem, Dr. Ann. I have information impatience, and, um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's really intense in real estate because you have somebody making the investment of their life. You don't make them wait for an answer. You know, it, I don't allow clients to wait a day to see maybe if I will call and let them know if I don't have the answer yet and let and remind them that I'm working on it. I, I think that's probably the most important thing because um, information's out there. A lot of people can find out things about houses, um, but the agent is the guide and the tour guide needs to keep you abreast of where your, your boat is sailing at all times. So I think it's more about a, a timing thing than anything else. Well, I think that's just a very important technique because buying and selling homes are just so anxiety-evoking to have a communication with somebody that is on top of things honestly gives us a lot of um, comfort, I think. And um, I know you uh, personally, so I want to know, because I know you have a great sense of humor, how you incorporate your sense of humor into your career. Well, Dr. Ann, did you know that humor is a great educator. Did you know that? Humor can be... No, I never knew that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, For instance, my buyers, I will, early on, let my buyers have the Paul Chastain Guarantee, Dr. Ed. You know what the Paul Chastain Guarantee is? I don't know. No, I don't, but I'd like to know. (laughs) I promise at some point in the buying experience, if your bank does not thoroughly annoy you, I will pay you $20 (laughs) before the end of the escrow. And, um, right. and I've never paid the twenty dollars in twenty years, in. So not not Because the banks always annoyed your customers. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> I have one from home for home warranties, but we can't say that one on the air. So we'd probably go to the next question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so there are two very important areas in real estate. There's the listing and the selling sides of the business, and those are a little different from each other. So I want you to take us through each of these. So explain to us what it means to list your home. Okay, so I might be the one agent that does not use the word list or listing. I don't like it, but I will define it because I understand your question. Um, The listing agent means the agent who markets the home by entering it on the list of homes for sale in the multiple listing service. That's the drilled down definition of what a listing agent does. Mm And, and take us through what happens or what should happen when you go on multiple listing. What happens when you sign the dotted line on a contract assigning you the ability to represent your client in such a huge transaction? Right. So it starts with the documentation, as you say. It's the listing agreement. It's the disclosures. And then the agent arranges and facilitates. The the agent arranges a plan for pricing. 
the the agent arranges a plan for home preparation, for staging, for repairs, repair crew. Um, then the agent schedules and executes all of those things to market the home, and that is the heavy lifting. That is the hard work. That is where all the experience Address comes Taylor in. Road Middle School. Hmm. Well, uh, I also want you to talk to us about the multiple listing system and how it works for our new folks who are thinking about purchasing a house. Explain that to us. So the multiple listing service is a licensed membership system online where agents cooperate put information about the homes that they're marketing for their clients. It contains instructions, uh, description, um, instructions on how and when to show the property for buying agents, and it's something we share as an agent community to smoothly be able to access properties uh, in a shared way with licensed realtors only uh, using that database. I remember uh, when I was in the real estate business, MLS, Multiple Listing Service, was really proprietary and nobody could access it. But now we have things like Zillow. And Would you comment about that? Yeah, um, there is still a difference. Um, I think the Internet has improved it. I think it's better. I, I like the fact that you can get most information on most homes pretty quickly as they come on. Um, MLS is a referee. It will take the house off the market when it's actually in a pending uh, state when there's actually a contract on it, it's a little faster and more accurate about what the information is because there's legal viability behind it. You have to be accurate when you put something on MLS. Then that directs it to the Internet in an accurate way. So the MLS still plays a big part. It's just not exclusive anymore, but it's still very important. Well, uh, I mean, I just can't imagine another way to keep track of all the sales, pendings, and listings and expired properties there are out there. I want you to explain to our listeners how you market a house that you are representing for sale. I think that many folks just sign up and they don't know how to examine if this is a good real estate agent or not. And the reason I think that is so many people, knowing that I've been out of the business, list or buy with other realtors, and then they, I get the phone call. Oh, such and such has happened. Please tell me what I should do. So this says to me they don't know how to interview, and they don't know what to expect. So how do you market a listing? So I have what I call the three Ps, and the three Ps are prepare, promote, and prosper. And the marketing agent, the first and biggest is the preparation. The more preparation, the more money for, for the seller. Um, the preparation starts with the seller, not just the home. The seller needs to sit down with a, an experienced agent and talk about, what are we about to do here? Think about this. You're about to give away something very important to you. You're about to leave it. You're about to change your world. Um, so the seller needs to be prepared mentally to give the control of the house over to the professional. That's the first step. And that step very often is, is a difficult one, so it has to be covered. Um, then the home is prepared. The experienced agent has a crew. Uh, we have staging people. We make 
the home into what the marketplace is looking for, no longer what the seller wants to live in necessarily, but what the market is looking for. Um, then the, the, um, there are pre-sale reports, the disclosures. That sounds dry. It is part of the marketing. It's a big part of the marketing because later on, if we talk about negotiation, that's, that's, a, that's a huge part of it. Um, and then just having somebody who can really do the repairs and the visual upgrades efficiently and accurately has taken 20 years to really master. It, it, that's, that's the hard work. Um, if it goes right, the seller doesn't feel that it's difficult. It looks We make it look easy, but, but it's really not. And then the agent staging and then photography and marketing online are the two big changes in the industry. Those are the two that have to be great. Otherwise, you're really lost in the Internet world. Oh, yes, and, and national and international marketing is, as you said, a new aspect of representing a seller and right. marketing their house. And right, yeah, the so the preparation, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the preparation is so critical because you have one time to open your grand opening of your restaurant. You have one moment, and then the whole world's going to see it. So you have to be right before you push that button, otherwise... It's really hard to take those pictures back. It's hard to make corrections because it's just out there. So there's a lot of pressure on getting it right up front. Yes, and I remember when it was just local marketing, and that was way easier than what agents have to go through now. And right. it's important, I think, that that uh, potential sellers, when considering an agent, know to ask about what do you do nationally and internationally to market this has. If you're in Atlanta, Georgia, it might be typical to just think, well, who do you know in Atlanta and how do you market it to Atlanta? But we have such a, uh, uh, a population now that moves, and uh, local marketing isn't where it is so much. Now, Paul, I remember in my real estate career, even when I sold my own house and I should have known better, I thought my house was so special. I overpriced it. Describe for us what happens to a listing when it's not accurately priced, when it's overpriced, because I did this and it's painful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ironically, that in, in, a, in a seller's market, that's one of the worst things you can do because our marketplace is fast. It's educated. Buyers are smart. Like we just said, the information's online. They know what's, what's in the range and what isn't. Pricing... Um, everyone in the audience buys fresh fruit. And if we buy a new bunch of bananas, putting it on the table and allowing time does not improve the bananas, and it does not improve a new listing. You want your listing to be seen, shown, and sold. You do not want time on market. And the one thing overpricing will do is add time on market, which will erode the bottom line of your price. Conversely, if you're a little underpriced, you're going to get to the proper price quickly because of the, the there is more demand and not enough homes. Hey, well, we're going to come back, listeners. We need to have a break, and we are with Paul Chastain talking about how to find and uh, know what the criteria are for a good real estate agent. We will be right back. 
The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. This is Daryl Pullis inviting you to listen to America's Homegrown Veggie Show right here every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern Time. Great guests, great tips, and valuable information about growing your own vegetables, fruits, and herbs. Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is Around Town Movers. Timothy and the guys recently moved me and i am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not so fun experience moving call timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience around town movers for that local or cross-country move timothy around town movers in my opinion are the best that's around town movers Call them. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back, listeners, to Dr. Ann's Relationship Radio. We are here, here with Keller Williams agent Paul Chastain who's telling us about the buying and selling process and what you need to know. Paul, discuss what happens when another agent wants to show your listing. Um, well, that, Dr. Ann, that's where the MLS comes in. The Multiple Listing Service has instructions for the agent. Um, we have special lockboxes uh, that licensed agents have keys for, and then the agent reads the MLS instructions to schedule the viewing according to those rules. Hmm. Now, I remember when some of my listings were being shown, my sellers thought it was really cool to stay in the house during the showing so they could really take the buyer around the house. (laughs) And I had so many instructions about that. I want to know from you, what should sellers do when their house is being shown? A two-word answer, uh, Dr. Ann. Go away. That's the best best thing <laughs> because uh, you don't want to be there to expose yourself to saying something wrong, and you don't want to be there to to cause discomfort or intimidation. You want the buyer to walk freely, the agent to walk and talk freely. Best thing to do is go away. Your preparation is selling your home, not you. Yes, I remember a, buy- a seller of mine losing $20,000 when... A buyer retracted an offer because one of the sellers had said something about a tree in the backyard, which was not correct. So go away is really good (laughs) advice. Provide, um, how do you provide your sellers with feedback from various showings? So many of my sellers wanted to say, well, what did they think? What did they think? And then I'd call. I don't know what you do today. Well, once my sellers come back from telling them to go away, because I do want them to come back, um, (laughs) 
Yes, I do. I do. But uh, here's the trick to that. I hope I don't have to. I hope my preparation and marketing, as they usually do, end up in multiple offers. So buying agents are the ones that have to sell their clients to me. And I don't have to sell the agents on my property. So if I'm doing a lot of that, I'm probably priced wrong or something's going on. Because if I if, if I have to be calling buying agents, um, that's not usually how it happens for me. Normally, the buying agents are calling, calling me to see when the offers are. That's impressive. That's a, that's a turnaround from how it used to be when I was in that, the business. I want to know, in today's world, what happens when someone makes an offer on one of your listings? So the offer is presented to the seller. The seller accepts, rejects, or counters the offer. And in your market on paulchastain.com, I go through kind of all the different scenarios and possibilities there in that buyer's section. Um, but those are the elements of it, and, and it is a, it's, it's driven by the principals, and the principals make decisions, and the, the realtors guide those, those offers and counteroffers back and forth. Mm-hmm. Now, here's some inside information, listeners. When I was in real estate, I remember presenting offers to listing real estate agents, and some of them were so rude to me, I'd go back and say to my seller, I want you to know, here's a counter or here's a rejection or an acceptance, but I want you to know that this could be a really difficult negotiation, and I'm saying that to you, Mr. Buyer, because of my experience over the negotiating table. So educate us about negotiating techniques. Well, you might be surprised. Um, Negotiating is not so much about technique or tricks. Again, I keep going back to this, but it's about preparation. The well-presented property at the right price should be irresistible in the marketplace. The hard work is done before you go on the market. So it's in a, in a busy market, setting a date, presenting disclosures, having the house ready. Um, potential buyers uh, get information up front, and that makes the negotiating a contract actually the easy and fun part. It, the work should be done at that point. It's a little like opening theater, opening night at theater. Then the work is done, and now everyone reaps the rewards for the for the new show. Yeah, well, I like that response, and I'm just going back to, there were some agents in um, the area where I worked that were notoriously known for being um, hard to deal with, and real estate agents tended to avoid showing their listings. And it wasn't like collusion, it was like, oh, I know, I'll make up a name, I know Brad, is really hell to work with, and he doesn't prepare his properties for showing in a proper way, and i just not even going to show the house. you have that experience, too? Well, yeah, sure. And a lot of it is most, in this marketplace, unlike that one, it, it's uneducated and newer, uh, maybe, maybe uh, agents and companies that don't have the training. But, you know, I accept that. I say, you know what, it's my job to work with this difficult personality, find a way to make it smooth, and not have my clients feel it, because that's my job. And sometimes that property is the one, and just because you ha- I have a difficult agent to deal with, that's that's what I'm getting paid to do, is to get in there 
get it done, swallow my pride, do whatever I have to do, keep it comfortable for the buyer or seller, and, and, and make it happen. That's that's the hard work in real estate, but that's not on the test. <laughs> well, hats off to you, and I know you've dealt with some really difficult personalities in the way of buyers and sellers, and I mean, I know that personally, and it just takes such a talent to be able to do what you said, and often real estate agents get really nervous or upset, and that can tend to, to tinge a sale or a uh, purchase. So um, when you're interviewing a real estate agent, listeners, make sure they know how to get through the difficult parts and have an answer similar to the one that Paul just gave us. So, Paul, take us through the events that require seller attention after an offer is accepted. Usually sellers think, oh, I sold it, okay, I'm done. But that's not true, is it? Uh, well, sellers have done their hard work if they have a good agent. Um, and so what we're going to do at that point is we're going to look out for the point in the, the process where we might have an inspection contingency release, uh, there may be some negotiation, a credit, or some work that has to be done, asked for by buyer. Um, but generally, you're opening an escrow. Uh, it's a 30-day process, and then you are just executing that contract. You're just doing the best you can to get through what you've already agreed to in that contract. And your agents, your good agents, are your guide. Okay. So let's move to the buying side, because we've been talking about the selling side. When we're in the investigatory stage of buying a house, or the looking stage, as it's often called, what should a great real estate agent do for us? Well, two things, action and communication. The agent, um, you, you know, the agent, as we've discussed before, um, this really should be the fun part of the process. Listening results in the agent weeding out a lot of wrong properties for buyers. Then the agent gets more feedback touring selected, selected properties for buyers. Um, the agents can send unlimited photos. Now, communication is a lot of, uh, visual photography now online. That's a huge part of our communication. And so in the looking stage, it becomes almost a daily or twice daily exchange of here's what I saw, what do you think, and then as we're out, what do you think? And, and then, then it's just filling in the blanks as I get to know a buyer more and more. Um, at some point, it's just one or two properties a week, and we're getting very close, and, and then we're ready to go. Yes. I remember my biggest, one of my biggest nightmares that made me feel incompetent that I wasn't doing a good job was when my buyers would go to open houses that I didn't know about. And that was really embarrassing. And they'd call and say, oh, I just saw such and such, and I like the house so much. And I'd, they wouldn't be um, guilt-evoking, but I would feel it because it was like, how did I miss that house? Sometimes... They're not on MLS, and we honestly don't know about them. Does that happen in today's market? It can. It can, although less and less because so much now, once it's put onto the Internet, is everywhere. Um, oh. there, are, there are fewer secret properties than there were when I started. Most of it is over-communicated now. Most of it is out there, and uh, it's just a matter of, of staying on it. And, and that no-gap communication I was talking about is, is more what it's about now, just being on 
every minute with your your client so when they need to know something you get right back to them with it if you don't know about a property you pull it you check it out and you get back immediately about the information it doesn't happen too often to me though i'm usually in front of most of it i know you are you're like on top of it i'm wondering do you only show properties that are on the multiple listing system because in the old days that was what we used to do yeah. Mostly, I will show any property where a seller is cooperating with the agent community, but most of them are on the MLS system. Okay. And so what about for sale by owners? Those are uh, often traps. Yeah. You know that I haven't dealt with one of those in so long. I don't know if there's just fewer of them now. Um, there's a lot of discount agencies that just do paperwork. So I haven't really seen a lot of those. I haven't had buyers interested in a lot of those. So... Maybe they're fading out. Maybe they happen. They're not a big part of my world, though, for whatever reason. Now, when I was in real estate, historically, they were usually overpriced, and I'm generalizing, and the seller didn't really know what they were doing, and there was no marketing of the property. So it got to be problematical. Yeah. Well, you just don't have, you can't have the preparation. There's no way you can know. No, no. So take us through the buying process. What do buyers, what happens? Buying process. So escrow opens with a buyer deposit. Um, the contingency periods for loan and inspection, your safety periods, your time to check out, you know, make sure your loan and your, your physical property inspections are okay. Um, money and sale documentation are processed by the escrow office, very important part of the team. It's about a 30-day uh, process. And then at paulchastain.com, buyer's section, you'll see something called your money. And that just goes right through what happens when you open an escrow. What are we doing all the way through to getting keys? That's it's called really your process. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. I wish I'd had that because I spent hours <laughs> explaining buying processes to my buyers, especially first-time buyers. It's a really scary thing. And here's another issue that often comes up. What happens when a home has a home inspection report that's not so great? Well, it might result in the buyer canceling the contract under their contingency, in, in the extreme case, usually does not. Um, often it will result in negotiating a credit or a repair with the seller. And usually if that happens, it's because we didn't, going back to our preparation, have a listing agent that prepared and did pre-sale reports and did pre-sale disclosures and discovered all that beforehand so that you don't have those kinds of things in escrow. So I kind of blame a listing agent when those things happen because they really shouldn't. Yes, because they haven't had the pre-inspection yeah. reports. So that yeah, notice I, notice I, called them, I called them a listing agent there for the first time. I usually don't use I that know, term. I know, but I wasn't going to But it was a negative, see? It was in a negative, so. <laughs> <laughs> we are coming up on a break, but I want to ask you a question, and if you can't answer it the whole time mm -hmm. before the break, that's, we'll come back. So should buyers call the listing agent of a home that they happen to drive by and see a for sale sign in the front of the yard? No, always best to contact your agent. Keep your agency intact. Protect your personal information and possible future negotiations. Call your agent. Call your agent. I remember um, the person who I was representing calling me and saying, Oh, I found this house and I just love it, and I just called the agent, and it was in a slide area. So, Paul, we're going to uh, take a break, and listeners, we will be right back discussing relationships and real estate 
buyers and sellers on Dr. Ann's Relationship Radio. Back in a moment. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is Around Town Movers. Timothy and the guys recently moved me, and I am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not-so-fun experience moving. Call Timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience. Around Town Movers for that local or cross-country move. Timothy, Around Town Movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's Around Town Movers. Call them. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back, listeners. We are here with Paul Chastain discussing real estate, good, bad, ugly, and how to have a good relationship with your real estate agent. So, Paul... What should buyers do when they go to a Sunday open house and they're working with you as a buyer's agent? Well, some, uh, to the millennials out there, we had something back in the day called business cards. Take a bunch of the, take a bunch of your agent's business cards. That's the one good use we have left for those. Two open houses, hand them out, and, and keep agents off your back so that you can just look at the house. And then that agent will contact your agent with anything relevant about when the house is going to be sold. But that's the best way. Keep keep your agency intact. Keep, keep your arm's length and uh, let people know that you're being represented by an agent. Your, your agent should have earned that trust. So so keep that with yeah. you. And quickly, because we have so much more to cover, what's an agency agreement? So agency it just describes the fiduciary duty between the buying agents to buyers, the selling agents to selling sellers, um, and, and what those responsibilities are. It separates them out. Okay. And when should buyers go to a lender, and how do they know which lender to go to to engage? I would say go first. Go, go to a few. Um, go check it out. Go go pre-approve. Just do it. Just even before you really get serious about buying, go go do it. Um, then, once you engage a buying agent, you know, follow their lead. They'll probably have a really good buy, um, a lending team. That's first. You, you have to do that before you can get anything done to buying a house. You have to know what your target is. 
and you have to know what your money is to get your target. And filling out those lending papers can be hell. I know this. Not anymore, Dr. Ann. It's really? easy now. You can do it on your phone. Yeah. No. Yes, it's bang, bang oh. now. In fact, it's too fast. You have to be careful and make sure you're using the right people. So ask your agent. Boy, I've been out of the business too long. <laughs> <laughs> I know that um, in, when I was in the business, uh, we'd have like 12 offers on a house. And it got so confusing to the sellers. How do you make your buyer's offers stand out? I love this part of real estate. You know, and again, it's all about preparation. It starts with not just pre-approval, but something called direct approval now, which my loan team does, which actually goes right to the underwriter that's going to approve the loan, and they will pre-approve you there even before you have an address, which is really great. Knowing as much as possible about the seller's goals, knowing as much as possible about the listing agent, communicating with them, this is not a combative art form. This is this is making friends and influencing people. And and the, the better buying agents get in there and find out everything there is to know about what the seller needs, um, sell the buyer's qualification through having a great pre-approval, not just a pre-approval. Um, those are usually what gets you in the top two, and then from there it's just a question of your, your buying power. Okay. Because I've had um, buyers send pictures and letters about why they love the house and pictures of their Mm -hmm. little kids. Sometimes that seems to make the difference, and sometimes the sellers could care less. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, you have to find out about the sellers. Sometimes that's helpful. Sometimes it's not what they want. So you do have to be careful with that. Now, here's a $64,000 question. How do you determine how much to offer on a property that's on the market? You know, it's not so hard anymore. That's one thing because the Internet is so full of information now. Buyers are very educated today. There, no, there's, there are no dumb buyers driving around. Everybody knows what, what the score is on, on neighborhood values now. The MLS sales data is still the most accurate and timely combined with the agent's market knowledge. Um, so working with the agent, getting a report on what things have sold for in that neighborhood, Price per square foot is a really good one because it just kind of eliminates the irrelevant information and tells you kind of where a house is going to be at. But your buying agent will be able to help with that. Now, I remember, again, when I was in real estate eons ago in 1901, I um, often was very successful in getting my buyers the property they wanted. And then sometimes they'd come back to me and say, I think we paid too much. Have you ever had that experience? No, usually not. It's usually the I'll tell you what I have. That the only times I can remember, and this goes back a ways now, I can remember buyers, buyers being disappointed and saying, "Hey, I would have paid five thousand dollars more if you had just told me to be more aggressive." I didn't I get see. it. That's more. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. Now I think also everybody wants to know. What closing costs are? When I was in the business again in 1901, I used to have to copiously fill out estimates of what the title insurance costs. And what, so, what are closing costs about? So, closing costs mostly are the cost of escrow service to process title and escrow services, and the cost of the loan. The cost of the money is usually the most expensive 
cost, foreclosing costs. And we're talking about buyers because buyers have the bigger closing costs. Seller's costs are minimal. Most of the closing has to do with processing escrow and the money. Hmm. So we love title companies, right? Yes, we do. They're our friends. They're very, very <laughs> they helpful are. facilitators. Yep. Yes, they really are. And one thing that you have always had, and I had it when I was in the business, which I think very few realtors have, is you have a crew that your buyers and sellers can hire to do remodeling or other work that needs to be done. Would you tell us about this? Because I just love this. Yeah, no, I love this part of the business. Um, those who watch HDTV, you know, chip and share and all the flips. Yep. And I, I started with that. That, that That's the couple I... A couple like that is where I started in the business, way before it was on TV. And so all those people I've known for 20 years do work, um, and they're very efficient and very fast. Uh, and it's just it's part of my everyday preparation. I don't ever take a listing and not use them. I can't think of the last time I, I didn't. Right now they're all at work at various locations. And then buyers, once they buy very often want to remodel, and I've done complete remodels end-to-end on houses before, almost as like a, a general contractor. So I, I love that part of the work, and it's a very important part for a, any realtor to have in their arsenal. It, it really is, and I've actually used some of your crew uh, for my own house, and they do such great work, and they are so reasonable. I don't know where you found these guys, but they are pretty awesome. And that's another question when people are interviewing real estate agents. Do you have a crew that works for you? So the other thing is, I don't know this, but do all realtors have contacts that you have to provide any remodeling or repair work? You know, they all tell me they do. I hear they do. I I can't know because I don't work with other realtors. Um, I think experienced realtors probably do. It's hard to imagine being in a business without without not having that kind of access. Um, I think some don't, but uh, I think the good ones should. Yeah, I think so, too. And I alluded to the next question earlier, and that is it used to be that realtors only focused on or were experts in one particular area, and I know that was true of me, the idea of going to cities 25 miles away just wasn't in my uh, arena of what I did. Tell us how real estate has changed today so that realtors have a much wider geographical range in which they can work. I love this topic. I think I think the world is very is really ignorant of this topic. Agents are ignorant of this topic. We're, we're, we're still taught in the old way. Um, but the preparation page at paulchastain.com, seller's preparation, I really get into this. Um, there was a time when realtors owned the information on homes. They had a book. They knew everything. No one else knew anything. And they were critical. They, they were local experts. And you had to go through them to get anything done in real estate. Today, the area expert is called Google. Anyone can know what a neighborhood price is, neighborhood safety, school scores, just by going online. Anywhere in the world, not just the country. So this concept that an agent knows it all is old kind of training. When you see area expert. I just wonder if they're getting out enough because that's just not that that's not helpful. The internet has reformatted value skills for agents now. It's about facilitating tasks, preparing, 
It's about photography, which is huge. You've got to have 30 fabulous photos. And then an online presence. When when your listing hits, it's got to go all over the planet, all over the Internet world. And that has nothing to do with memorizing floor plans in a neighborhood anymore. That, that doesn't help a seller. But it's, agents are still taught to be area experts, and I'm really not sure why. But uh, having, having just worked in Santa Clara to sell a house uh, to that seller in Stockton, that should give you an idea of the range. Yeah, it's, and it's we're, a whole different world. Yeah. So as you know, and we're coming down to the end of our program i can't believe it so um how do you create good relationships because our program's about relationships how do you create those relationships with buyers and sellers you know well i think we've really talked about it the communication we talked about keeping promises um communicating saying what i'm going to do and then really staying on it until i get that done um however i can get that done treating my clients like a family this is an emotional process doesn't matter how hardcore somebody might be in business or whatever this is a very emotional process and so preparing people mentally looking after them before during and after this transaction um are all part of what i do and i i I take that all very seriously so it is it's all relational it's all trust and it's all communication and keeping promises really is now, I know you do relocation services, and when I was in real estate, uh, I would interview people out of the area, and we're going to have to go, but I just want you to let people know, how can they contact you? com has everything on there. Um, 925-788-7545 is my cell phone, but just remember my name, Paul Chastain. Google Paul Chastain, and you'll find me and a rock star with Velvet Crush. I'm not the rock star. I'm the real, there's, there's two of us. So there you have it, listeners. Now you know how to select a fabulous realtor, Paul Chastain. Thank you so much for all the information you have provided for our listeners. And listeners, thank you for being with us. If you have a topic, send it to Schiebert at gmail.com. Until next week, remember, only you can create your world the way you want it to be. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.